You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Good evening, Botany Campus. I'm so excited to be sharing a word with you tonight. If I have not met you before, my name is Bailey Booth, and I shared this message at our Pukekohe campus this morning, and I'm just praying that this is going to encourage you and challenge you, and if it's your first time here today, I'm so glad that you decided to share this wet, windy Sunday with us. Today, we are continuing our blessed series. We are in part seven. And this series is all about the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount. And this is, comes from Matthew 5, and it was preached a long time ago by Jesus, presumably on a mountain. And he outlines these five different characteristics of kingdom living. And each one of these attached with it a blessing. Now, these were countercultural to the people who Jesus was preaching to today uh, back then, but it wouldn't be so far fetched to say that it's still countercultural. It's still against the grain for us today. Each one of them a challenge, but each one of them with it a blessing. And it's actually an amazing journey. They continue to build on each other, going from a complete unawareness of God to becoming a full, fully devoted follower of him and making a difference in the environments in that we find ourselves in. Each one of them a challenge, but with it, a blessing. So if you have your Bibles with you tonight, you can turn to Matthew 5, and we are going to read it together. And if you don't, don't worry, it's on the Sky Bible behind me. And we, we call it the Sky Bible, I don't know, in power zone, but that's okay. Matthew 5, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy and blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God and blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And today we will be unpacking a little bit more. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. Let's get into it. Okay, you may not know, I have a gluten allergy, okay? This is called celiac, and it means that I can't eat a lot of wheats. Well, any wheat, actually, and some grains. And you, before you feel too sorry for me, before you think, oh, poor Bailey, I see many benefits to it, to be honest. I get to tick the special dietary requirement box, and what this does is it gives me access to go to the front of the line for any event, any party that they're serving food. They call out the elderly and the children and and the special diets, and I just walk my merry way up the front waving to everyone who's in the line. And in fact, sometimes I don't even need to wait in line because they put my my food aside, and I can just take my sweet time talking and conversing with everyone at the event because my food, I won't miss out on it. Another benefit is that it's very easy to say no to treats. 
So when people come into the office and being very generous, they bring cake and KFC and biscuits. I am not tempted at all, and I can easily say no. However, sometimes, I must admit, it does get a little bit awkward. And one of those scenarios happened earlier in the year, in March. My family and I, we went to uh, the Coromandel region for a holiday, and one night we went out for dinner um, for my cousin's birthday. And like, I just want to start the story by telling you there was 15 people of us there. So there was a lot of people at the table. And God bless the waitress. She came around and took everyone's orders. And as usual, I would just ask them a few questions and about the menu, and then I would tell them I have a gluten allergy. And therefore, they usually make a note, and, and they take it very seriously in the hospitality industry, and they usually go talk to the chef. And anyway, I make my order. And later on, she comes back with all the food. And as always, I would usually ask, uh, but in the scenario, my mum was there with me, sitting across from me. She asked, as the meal gets put down in front of me, just double-checking that this meal is gluten-free. To which the waitress replied, I think so. And I shrunk in that moment because I was like, here we go, I know what's happening. I think so is not the thing to say to a mother who has a child with allergies, okay? And so I shrunk inside and my mum respectfully but firmly, any um, protective mummers in the house or, uh, see, I'm getting old and my mum is still talking back to the waitresses for me. And so... She said, I think so, Mum, firmly but politely says, you need to take this back and ask the chef. Um, thank the Lord that she did, because she did come back and say, no, it's not gluten-free. And But I did get a free hot chocolate at the end for all of my troubles. Again, another benefit to the tick box. To anyone witnessing the scenario, to anyone observing the scenario, it may appear that my mum was picking a fight. It may appear that my mum was fighting against the waitress. The waitress got defensive, mum was disagreeing, she's like, no, take it back. It may appear that she was fighting against the waitress, but that's actually not what was happening. She was not fighting against her, she was fighting for me. She was fighting for her daughter, for, for my health and my safety and my well-being at this stage. She was not fighting against her. She was fighting for me. And see, this is the type of people that we are. We do not fight against people, but we fight for people. And I know the church in, in the past has maybe not got this right through different times periods, but we are not a people, Elam, family, we are not a people that fight against people, but we fight for people. Because as peacemakers, we fight for people. Why? Because we wholeheartedly believe that God made you and each one of us with a plan and a purpose, that he knows you and in your innermost thoughts and the amount of hairs on your head and the hurts and the desires and the passions of your heart. And he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live a perfect life and die yet an embarrassing, gruesome death. He fought for you because he saw the value in you. And if he fought for you, if Jesus fought for you, then so will I. Because as peacemakers, we fight for people. What does this look like? We fight that people would know their value, 
that they would be seen and they would be encouraged and they would be uplifted despite what our preferences or our ideals are, despite their differences to you and I. See, there's a difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. A peacekeeper simply maintains the status quo and steps back and avoids conflict to maintain the scenario to stay the same, but a peacemaker, they actively reconcile people with each other. When others step back, peacemakers step forward. They actively reconcile people with each other. They actively reconcile people with God. And they actively reconcile people within themselves. We are not a people who sit on the sidelines. In fact, we actively pursue those who are on the outskirts, those who are teased or bullied. We step forward when others step back. But the reality sometimes can feel different. And I think it's beautifully summed up in this quote that I read by Benjamin Franklin. Obviously, a long time ago, he actually wrote it to a friend And I was so impacted by this. He said, blessed are the peacemakers is, I suppose, for another world. For in this one, they are frequently cursed. And I wonder if this has been your experience. Blessed are the peacemakers is, I suppose, for another world. For in this one, they are frequently cursed. And yet we return back to the scriptures and we remind ourselves that we are in fact not pitiful people. We are people of purpose, and we are people of power and people of redemption. So let the children of God, let you and I be seen in the highways and the byways and in the streets and the ghettos fighting for our fellow man to be seen and to add value to everywhere we go. As peacemakers, we fight for people. We add, we don't subtract. We leave people and places better than what we found them. You, my friend, were called to make a difference. You were called to make a difference in every environment that you find yourself in. And I'd like to read to you the amplified translation of the same scripture. And so if you're new to the Bible, you're new to church, you you may probably know that the Bible was written a long time ago. And it was written in different languages than what we speak today and maybe you speak multiple languages or you're bilingual you know when you say things sometimes they don't have an exact translation or sometimes they do have an exact translation but it doesn't really fully encapsulate the meaning of what you were trying to portray and so yes we have one bible we have one set of scriptures but scholars and teachers they They try to study and reword things so that we can fully understand the meaning that the original author was trying to portray. And so this same scripture in the Amplified Translation, it says this. Blessed, meaning spiritually calm, with life, joy, and God's favor are the makers and maintainers of peace. For they will express his character and be called the sons of God the makers and maintainers of peace, for they will express his character and be called the sons of God. The children of God will express his character. Let me illustrate it for you like this. My family consists of five people. My mum, my dad, myself, and then my two sisters, Taylor and Summer. And Taylor, she's married now uh, to Quentin, and they just had a baby boy. He's 12 weeks old. 
and he's beautiful, he's so cute, and he's filling up my camera roll, and so you won't find anything interesting other than photos of my nephew on my camera roll. Taylor now has a different last name to the rest of us. So on paper, it may, you may not see the resemblance, you may not see the relation. However, if you know Taylor, and if you see Taylor, you see how much she resembles her father. She, not only do they look alike, uh, they've got the same face, they um, both are the first ones to tear up at sympathetic scenarios. If you've ever heard my dad preach, he's probably cried at least three times. Taylor's the same. They love sweet food, chocolate and Coke and love watching the rugby and they pull the same silly faces and I'm glad they're not here tonight because I don't want to admit in front of them that they're actually both quite funny as well. <laughs> Taylor resembles her father and even though on paper you may not be able to match them when you know her, you see the resemblance to her father. And in the same way, as children of God, as we walk with him and as we grow in our faith and we read his word and when we choose the Jesus way, we start to reflect our heavenly father and we resemble his personality and character. And this is my second idea for you today, is that as peacemakers, we resemble our heavenly father. As peacemakers, we resemble our heavenly father. God is the God of peace, the God of peace. Since the initial fall in the Garden, Garden of Eden, his focus and his priority has been to reconcile people with himself, to actively seek out those on the outskirts, to bring the lost back to him. He is the ultimate peacemaker, the ultimate peacemaker. And as peacemakers, we are too to resemble our Heavenly Father. I'm sure, like me, you've heard uh, or you would know when you ask the question, how are you, there's a few common answers. It's usually good, fine. In New Zealand, a lot of people say not bad as well. Another common one I'm sure you've probably heard is tired. And people would say, how are you? Good, just tired. How are you? Fine, just tired. And then we get to March 2020. And everyone's schedules are, schedules are cleared. The world shuts down. Every calendar appointment gets cancelled. Work, school, university, stay home. You've got nothing on your agenda. Yet you ask people, how are you? The answer remains, tired. And I wonder, or it has led me to believe, that maybe the tiredness was only marginally related or in fact not at all about the external pressures and the full calendars, but maybe the answer more accurately would be, I'm tired on the inside. And the question to you today, is are you tired on the inside? And I'll reframe it one more time. Have you lost your peace? Have you lost your peace? Because here's the hard truth, is that peacemakers cannot, or at least will really struggle to, may find it difficult to create peace in others if they do not find peace within their own heart first. 
And how are we to calm the wars and the raging tempers in others? How are we to reconcile one another with each other when we have battles raging within our own hearts? And the band can join me now. I've got one more translation of this, of the scripture. It's interesting because in Matthew, later on, Jesus actually asks this exact question. And he answers it. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Peace. So you're worn out. Have you lost your peace? Come to Jesus because it's time to let it go and to exchange our burden for his peace. But you'll know because when you're listening to a message like this, when it's about action and, and um, reconciliation, you hear this and you think, oh, that's great, but that sounds exhausting. That sounds tiring. Maybe you can say within yourself, maybe, yeah, I have lost your peace, lost my peace, but I don't really know where I lost it. I have a few suggestions for you. A few questions. Are you fearful? Fearful for your health or for your loved ones? Uncertainty, worry, anxiety, that'll rob your peace. Maybe that's where you lost it. Have you been hurt? Church hurt, work hurt, relational hurt. Maybe you felt like you hurt someone else. That'll rob your peace. Have you got regret, mistakes that you made or things that you probably should have done different or you felt like you should have done different? That'll rob your peace. And lastly, the busyness, the performance, the juggle, the grind. Maybe you lost it there. Because that, that'll rob your peace. God's plan for you is that you would know him that you would know his peace, his perfect peace that surpasses all understanding. It doesn't even make sense sometimes. That you would find freedom from the past and the hurt that you have. See, another translation of the same scripture puts it like this. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, the yoke that it's talking about in this uh, illustration is an agricultural term. And I'm no farmer, so I've got a photo for you. It is an old traditional, uh, like a wooden beam that they would put across oxen or donkeys or cows. And then they would attach to it the apparatus that is needed for them to work. And they would have this weight on, on their shoulders and this is what it would look like. And the metaphor for us today, the metaphor for you today is that world that you've got on your shoulders, that weight that you've got on your shoulders, Jesus says to you, let's do a swaparoo.
would you let it go? And I won't put anything ill-fitting, anything heavy. My yoke, Jesus' yoke, is perfect peace. A peace in chaos that sometimes doesn't even make sense. It's an act of faith. It's an act of surrender to actually hand it over, but what you could gain. Perfect peace. Shalom. So I'd love to pray for you. And if you feel comfortable, you can reach out your hands like this. And if you've ever wondered why, it's just a symbolic gesture of a spiritual stance. Open hands. Open hearts. Ready to receive. God, whatever you want to put in our hands. Whatever you want to take away, God, it's open hands to you. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you that you are pursuing us, that you have your focus on us, that you chose us and what a privilege it is to be known by you. God, today, we choose to let it go and to release our burden that is obstructing our heart from your peace. God, the hurt, all the past hurt, we choose to let it go. Open hands. The regrets. We choose to let it go and place it back into your hands today. Take it off our shoulders, Jesus. The fears, the worries, and the anxieties, God, we release it back into your hands today. And the busyness, the stuff that has filled our lives that is not of you. God, today we let it go again. Into your hands. Jesus, in exchange, we receive your perfect peace. God, fill us again. Holy Spirit, rest upon our shoulders again. Empower us that we would overflow with your peace. We'd be able to represent you to others. God, help us be bold as we act as your peacemakers. Thank you, Jesus that you have always pursued us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.